Hello, it is Simply Spisa here and welcome back to another episode of the podcast Simply Do The Work but also a special welcome to you if you're joining me here for the very first time. If you're not yet subscribed, please do subscribe and follow the podcast and also feel free to reach out to me at Simply Spisa on Instagram and Twitter. So today's podcast episode, as you can tell by the title, we'll be talking about the issue of conversion therapy and basically the ex-gay movement. And so do you want to say this is, you know, a rather heavy topic? Like, I think it's quite a serious topic that, you know, I, I, I don't say I can do it justice by trying to make it too um, lighthearted. And so I do want to just before diving to just do put like a content warning slash trigger warning because there will be a portion where I do talk about sexual assault. But without further ado, let us start this episode. First, let me talk about like what was the inspiration behind this episode. So a couple of days ago, I watched the Netflix documentary Pray Away. And I'm also currently reading the memoir Boy Erased, which is also like a movie was made out of it. And so... Boy Erased, actually, I actually watched the movie, I think, like, two or three years ago. I'm not sure when it came out, but I did watch it. But, like, reading the book again kind of, like, really brought the... Just, it brought new meaning to the story because I also... Like, I don't really remember much from the movie, but I also feel like, obviously, when, you know, adaptations are made, things are left out. And it made me really think a lot about, like, the movie, the Netflix documentary, and the book. Made me think about just my own experiences... And even maybe want to do a bit more research on this topic, which is what I want to share with you guys today. So, the first story is from when I was still in high school. Um, I met a friend at church who came out to me as transgender. Now, at that time, I was still trying to figure out myself. But I really appreciated that, that you know, like this person felt, you know, like this, let me say, this person's coming out was very um instrumental and very helpful to me to my own journey right like we did speak about coming out in the previous episode and you know that was something that we bonded on because i think even at that time i don't think i had put a label on my sexuality but i did say that you know i've been having you know these i think i was saying i can't remember if i said like gay thoughts or gay attractions i'm not sure exactly what i said to them and so you know we both like we had that like you know, we were like, we had that like common commonality, I guess, like form, like th- we were able to relate to each other on our queerness, even though, you know, we, we were on like different um, parts of the spectrum. But then I think a year or two after I met this person, they suddenly disappeared. Like they literally disappeared. And actually I remember that before they disappeared, what happened was I think they came out, they came out to their parents and the parents did not take it well. I also remember they was. I remember because I also I actually remember like just before they disappeared, what happened was I remember they were sending like some texts asking if they could stay over at my place. But now at that time, I was getting ready to leave for a school camp, and my dad wasn't at home, and. It's just like like my parents have this thing about like like sleep like sleepovers. My parents are not about sleepovers, and I kind of felt like um you know it like with just my mom. I felt like oh my dad's not here. Like I can't really say anything. Plus I also I will be leaving, so I I don't know how that would work. And I remember because when I went to the camp, it was like literally it was in the woods, 
so when i was there i didn't have any cell service there was like no place to charge my phone so i really like i didn't use my phone like i kept it off so that i could have i can be able to use my phone on the way back right from the camp and so when i came back um that person was gone like they like in a way like disappeared and i sort of i think i did put two and two i did have like um assumptions about what happened but I didn't really say, I didn't really know, right? And so I think it was after, I think a couple of weeks or months went by. And then I was like, no, man, let me actually find out what happened. So I think I asked my mom what happened because my mom was actually like, kind of like, like my mom would talk to that person's parents. And my mom was like, oh no, um, that, that person is at, is at a rehab facility. And in my mind, like the red bells or the alarms went off. I'm like, oh no, I, like, like I, I like I, I don't know like I don't I don't like you know pry further and ask mom like what what rehab what do you know because in my mind like okay this is probably they probably sent them to a conversion center and then I think it was yeah like two or three years where I didn't see this person and then I did see them like one day because right I went then I ended up going to university like literally it's like and like my like my final year of high school I believe was but their parents were still showing up at church you know but like I wasn't close to the parents to be asking them for constant updates and stuff like that but I remember like one day when I was coming home I was home for the for the weekend or I think it was a long weekend so I came home and I went to church with my family and then I saw this person and I like I almost couldn't believe it and I remember just speaking to them and also just finding out. I remember they did detail. They determined that yeah, the place they went to was sort of like a conversion therapy type of place. They were telling me how they were made to do um, hard labor as like punishment. They'll tell me how they had to cut their hair. And it was just... That takes me on. I also another experience that happened when I was still in high school is I remember because at that time, right, I wasn't really dating IRL um, in real life. I was more like all the people who I dated, it was either those like, those, like online relationships where like, like, you know, we'd just be chatting and like nothing came out of it. There was only one person who I actually met IRL. Like, and let's talk about dating. I'm not talking about other things. That's neither here nor But I remember this person who I was dating, right? We were talking, we were like in like, this online virtual relationship. And I remember out of nowhere, they start quoting the book of Romans, talking about how what we're doing is wrong and we're um, living in sin and like God has sort of just given us over to our sin. And that, that is very traumatizing. You know, if you're like, still like 16, 17, still trying to figure out yourself and someone who you thought, you know, was in this with you says that type of thing. Like that is trauma. That is truly trauma. I was traumatized. But then fast forward to 2019, the infamous 2019, and there was a person who I actually, I actually met this person, I guess, 2018. Yeah, 2018, we followed each other on Instagram, and that was when I was a lot more active on Instagram. I used to, like, play the game of Instagram once in a while. Now my Instagram is... That's not the point. But yeah, I remember this person, like, we followed each other on Instagram. I think they DM'd me, like, he DM'd me first. And we started having conversations and just talking, just talking about, oh, yeah, I remember we had, we had conversations about just like our sexuality. And I think like he briefly mentioned that he had some issues with that. And I was like, and I also, you know, mentioned that and we were just, you know, like I think also noted we had like some like common factors, like we were both studying in like medical orientated degrees. You know, so that's something also we bonded about because he was telling me how he actually wanted to do medicine, but he couldn't get into that. So he's 
flooding um, like a clinical associate degree, if I'm not mistaken. And then was even saying that, you know, he might consider like applying to like my university. And, you know, you were just like talking. And then I remember eventually we made, we made plans to meet up and like have a date and stuff. And things didn't work out for various reasons. Like I remember I, I felt like they were just putting too much pressure on me. Like things were just moving way too fast for me. And so I was just like, yeah, no, I can't do this. But I say like that person, there are some funny moments from that story, which but I will not get into for today's sake. But what was quite interesting about this person is that I don't know if it was a couple months later or what, but like one of my friends like asked me, so um, when last did you talk to this person? Let's let's call him Jacob. Like that's not his real name. When last did you talk to Jacob? I'm like, oh no, I haven't spoken to Jacob since like you know we tried dating because I had, I remember like I blocked him on like um WhatsApp and I unfollowed him on Instagram because. It, it was messy, okay? It wasn't just a mutual, okay, let's let things go. And my friend told me, yeah, um, Jacob... Then my friend, like, showed me an Instagram post that Jacob made where he was, like, basically denouncing homosexuality and saying that he's given his life over to Jesus and he no longer wants to be living in sin. And this person got immense backlash. Immense backlash. Because I think what I did mention is, like, they were... Like a micro influence on Instagram, you can say. Like I think I, I remember at some point there like eleven thousand followers on Instagram, you know, and a lot of the, his following was from like the queer community. And so obviously when he made this statement, this proclamation, it came with a lot of backlash. I remember like I think eventually he deleted the post and then his account went private because like I I wasn't following him anymore, and that really like saddened me and to be honest i think that encounter also triggered me you know triggered me back to that encounter i had in high school with that person who i was talking to online who you know suddenly you know turned on me and said nope we can't continue living in sin like this you know and you know this is within 20 like 2019 is if you've been listening to the podcast consistently you see a lot was happening in that year and this i guess ties into like the themes of like i guess in me right it really did instill a lot of shame right with regards to my sexuality like i've spoken in previous episodes about how like you know the religious aspect has really caused a lot of inner turmoil right and i think with regards to that um i do want to recommend a book which i've like i've listened to like the audiobook i've listened to it twice the velvet rage um i, f- I didn't write down the author's name i'll i'll put i'll put the book's name in the description but the Valvoid Range talks about how, like, dealing with... It's, I think the full title is the Valvoid Range, growing, dealing with the shame, growing up gay in a straight man's world. Something like that. So specifically, that book talks about cis gay men's experiences. But it definitely was a resource that helped me, like, in 2019. Because that's when I first list, I listened to the audiobook. And then recently, again, right, I, I decided to give it a visit. And it really helps help me, like, with regards to, like, the relationship traumas, which is a topic we've discussed also on this podcast. Like, that book has really helped me to unpack that a bit. But I'm deviating a bit. So, like, all of all this to say is... Conversion therapy is something that is real and it's prevalent and it's pervasive. Right? I even did some research on how is the situation looking in South Africa because um, the movie Pray Away and or the documentary Pray Away and the book Boy Erased are both set in America. 
And, you know, even though there are parallels, I think, you know, it's very important for me, especially to stay loyal to the South African story where I come from and understand how, you know, while we might have similar issues, you know, they manifest differently here in South Africa. So I, one of the resources that really helped, it was, um, it's a report on current practices in conversion therapy, emerging technology and the protection of LGBTQ plus rights in Africa. So this report was prepared by the Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity and Expression and Sexual Characteristics, um, SOGSC unit of the Center for Human Rights of the Faculty of Law, University of Pretoria. That is a mouthful, but yeah, that is like the big, that is where a lot of um, the content or the research content is coming from. So I think before we continue further, let us just define conversion therapy. So according to this report, conversion therapy is a broad term which refers to therapy techniques or other activities that attempt to change or alter sexual orientation or reduce a person's attraction to other persons of the same sex and instill conventional gender roles. Conversion therapy is based on the premise that homosexuality is a disease, addiction, or religious aberration, even though all major medical and psychiatric organizations agree that LGBTQ plus identities are a normal aspect of human diversity. Conversion therapy may also be pursued by family members or individuals who are concerned that being LGBTQ plus will make an individual's life more difficult within society. I find that last part in this definition to be quite compelling because I know I have considered trying to change my sexuality and my uh, my gender identity because of the fact that I thought that, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is going to make my life a lot harder, right? And I even know that when I came out to my parents, that was a real valid concern of theirs, right? I think, you know, obviously, like like I did mention in the previous episode that, you know, there were some things that which were, like, um, upsetting to me, but I... If I look at it from their perspective, I think also they are aware of like the, the violence and even I guess the discrimination that LGBTQ plus people face. And as their child, they don't want me to suffer any of that, right? But moving along to um, the forms of conversion therapy as described by this report. So there's like, I think like four or five main forms that discuss. First, there's the psychoanalytic form, which is basically when people who are trained in psychology or psychiatry um, attempt to change people's sexuality, even though like this practice, you know, it's today we now recognize it is pseudo psychology, it's pseudoscience, it's not real. But what I found quite interesting is that it was only in 1990 when the World Health Organization removed homosexuality from um, like, like, considered, like, no longer considered to be an illness, which I feel like 1990 is like so recent. Like, that's like, like, literally, like a decade before I was born. Like, that is very recent. Even though I think the DSM five, um, it was removed, or not DSM five, but like basically, like the diagnostic, like the psychiatric diagnostic thing, right? DSM. I know, I don't know which edition because DSM five is the latest edition. I think it was in 1978 when they removed homosexuality as an, as an um as an illness, as a mental illness. I think also it's worth mentioning that, you know, I think a lot of us, when we think of conversion therapy, we think of it in like the religious context, but there are many like non-religious people who do believe that it's an illness or who do seek this um, practice. 
Now, which brings us to the second form of conversion therapy is the faith-based, which I think is one of the most familiar with, like the churches, and also in South Africa, there's also the, or even in Africa, there's the traditional aspect of it, right, where people who maybe people who aren't, I mean, could be Christian or not Christian, go to traditional healers, and sometimes they're given different concoctions or herbal medications to drink, or you know, different traditional aspects. I know even um, in South Africa, the Kosa tribe they have an initiation, right? It's a rite of passage for boys, right? And some people, if your parents suspect that you are um, you are queer in any way, they might force you to go to that initiation school so that you can hopefully come back being cis hit, right? That is something which. I've, I never really thought of because obviously me being Zulu, that is not part of my tradition. That's not part of my culture. And then this third type of conversion therapy is aversive, which um, if I could just explain aversive in my own way, it's basically like, it's like, okay, okay, let me put an example. I think that's the best way to make it make sense. So for example, you, they would make the person watch, um, watch like maybe like something gay and then give them an electro shock or or like beat them physically so to sort of try to condition them which i think falls back into like um like pseudo psychology like if you know about conditioning like different ways of conditioning like think about also like pavlov and operant conditioning classical conditioning those things right so it's kind of like if you pair these um gay things with negative reactions then the person will be put off from doing it but that just causes trauma and then um the fifth form is sexual abuse and this manifests in the horrific act of corrective rape and this primarily it mostly affects um lg like lgbt women right it mostly again like, uh, there is a famous south african footballer female lesbian south african footballer who was brutally murdered right? I've, I've seen you know, this year in South Africa, there's been a huge spike in the hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, some people are putting on this violence in the name of trying to help these people or in the name of thinking that this will cure them or even like deter others. Right. It's also, I think also it's a way of making an example out of people to make the rest of the community be afraid to you know be themselves and the final form is surgical now this is more of an ancient practice not really done today but you know they used to operate on people's brains and their genitalia thinking that that would that would cure them using cure in air quotes and so infamously during the apartheid time here in south africa psychologists provide the south african government with pseudo-scientific justification for forced conversion Therapy. I think I remember in the episode where I talk about the problem problem with pride. I mentioned how you know um, the pride movement, right? LGBTQ plus rights was an integral part of anti-apartheid um, activism and work because before then it wasn't really like legislation legislation. But then when the apartheid government came, they made all these laws that were criminalizing LGBTQ plus people and even like allowing forced conversion therapy on them. And so another thing I found compelling in this report they mentioned is that, you know, now we have the issue of these therapies moving online and becoming more accessible and more dangerous. Like people who, you know, perhaps, you know, in your area, there isn't a conversion therapy center or there isn't anyone who's practicing the act. Now people can go online. There are people who are making videos, YouTube, sermons, right? They've 
so so many ways online where people can access this and it's just it's really scary it's honestly scary because there seems to not be really anyone who's checking for this anyone who's really um holding these people accountable like i found on research that they say currently 71 countries still criminalize homosexuality around the globe i read in another article and um, like I didn't fact check this right, but apparently South Africa was the first country in the world to decriminalize. I think I mean let's say one of the first, because I don't want to lie. But I know that South Africa definitely is the only country in Africa where we have like marriage equality rights. But even those are so like I remember I attended, I hosted a webinar a couple months back, and the guest um they talked about how you know there were laws in South Africa where you know like. If you went to home affairs and they want to get married, the person could say no based on their own personal or religious beliefs. You know, but like you know, now work is being done to undo those laws because even though South Africa, we do have um, you know, like our constitution is deemed one of the most progressive, most inclusive, right? Because it does, a constitution does have provisions for sexual identity, different sexual identities and different genders, but the implementation of it isn't, you know, um fully there and even just like the, the certain laws like i read that the children's act for example there isn't a section of the children's act that specifically prohibits the forced um conversion therapy of, of children of minors and so that is something which is currently in the process i think it was in may or july i can't remember i didn't write that i didn't i don't think i wrote that down in my notes but in may or july that's when proposals will be made to add these things to the children's act to further you know, protect um, LGBTQ plus minors. Because also, I think another issue that we had, like particularly in South Africa, is that all these legislations were made, but nothing was done to address the societal issues, to address also, like, people's ideas and thoughts. Because I think a lot of people, yes, they, like, they, first of all, there are people who are just homophobic because they want to, right? Because they choose to, because that is... Like they're dead set on that, but also there are many other people who are like who think that way because they don't understand, because they fear what they don't know, and I think that that nothing was really done to ensure that on a societal, even on like a, because obviously I feel like you can't really say on like an individual level. I think obviously yes, individuals, it's important to um, work on individual, but I think just like in a community way, right, to ensure that communities are more accepting, are more. Um, I don't want to say tolerant. I don't want to say tolerant. I can't find the right word. But you guys get what I'm trying to say. And so the trend of conversion therapy is a global issue, right? But um, according to this report, the highest prevalence has been registered in countries like the United States, Australia, the United Kingdom, China, and South Korea. And currently, it is manifesting in the African continent in countries like South Africa, as I mentioned, Nigeria, Kenya, Tanzania, and Zambia. And so, the legal frameworks on conversion therapies, I think, like the last section that I want to talk about. And so, like, according to the 2019 report by Outright, 172 countries have no legislation or measures to burn to ban, sorry, to ban conversion therapy. Ten states, including South Africa, the United States, Canada, Norway, Uruguay, Netherlands, Spain, Switzerland, Argentina, and Cyprus have policies that 
partially banned conversion therapy. As I mentioned, the Children's Act is still it still needs to be fixed. It still needs to or they still need to add those provisions to protect minors, right? Because at present there are only five countries in the world that have a ban on conversion therapy, namely Brazil, Ecuador, Malta, Taiwan, and Germany. And I just want to read you like the section they wrote on Malta because I I feel like Malta is is like the most progressive um, legislation in this in this case. Um, It says Malta's national ban of conversion therapy is the most comprehensive in the world. The ban on conversion therapy was succeeded by a law which was adopted in 2015 and dealt with the affirmation of sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. And so I feel like the problem that we have now, as I've mentioned, is, you know, there are limits to how they can enforce these laws, right? 24 countries in the world have a ban partial laws or are moving towards the prohibition of conversion therapy however and this is like you know the limitations of conversion therapy according to this report these laws tend to prohibit prohibit only the medical form of conversion therapy other forms like religious and traditional conversion therapy are not described as unlawful yet they are the most common forms that manifest in this area i think there are many lgbtq plus people who can talk about experiences in the church or being taken to a traditional you know healer and it's kind of like you know i get this this thing of separation of church and state but you know these churches can't be left unchecked you know because what they're doing is causing harm right like there are many reports and studies that have shown like the prayer away documentary right because i think the primary intention was to show how harmful this practice is and I think that we need to be a lot more aware of this issue because it is quite prevalent as I've even like, you know, that's why I started also sharing some of my own experiences because I do think um, conversion, like the issue of conversion therapy isn't just, you know, like the formal settings of it. Like, you know, it happens in like a formal social setting. I think even just like the day-to-day interactions that LGBTQ plus people have that either, you know, victimize them or make them you know feel like oh maybe i should change because i think and this is where i think it gets a little messy for me right when i think about um jacob's story right now he says that he's no longer gay right he that is and it's kind of like you know on one end i don't want to be the person who says hey listen you you are gay like i don't i don't want to like force it onto him and but at the same time it's like um on one hand, right, you know, I do want to respect people's autonomy. The fact that, like, you as an individual can do whatever you want. But also, I have to question and critique, like, what are you promoting, right? If you stand up and say that you're no longer homosexual, you're no longer gay, you are no longer living in sin. What are you saying to other gay people? Are you saying that they're living in sin? Are you saying that they're wrong? You know, it's kind of, this is the way... Um, and you saw so in the report, or was it in the report, or was it in other journal articles I read? I'm not sure, but you know there was also this discussion of, you know, um, what what do we do if someone like is like a grown adult and they want to do? This? I think obviously when it comes to children, definitely children need to be protected, right? Children should not be forced or subjected into this, because even with the prayer documentary, like a lot of the people will talk about how they got into this at a very young age. But also, I also want, like, even if you are, say, you are an, an autonomous grown adult and you, you know, you say you are consenting to um, this practice, 
what is your motivation for it, right? Where did those ideas come in? Could it be that perhaps because of your childhood and your upbringing and the messaging that you are surrounded by, you know, I think this is why um, it doesn't, it's not just about having, you know, these anti-discrimination laws, right? I think there's also like children need to be educated on, you know, the beauty and the complexity of humanity, right? Because also I know, I know, I know what, as soon as they children to be educated, I know the people who saw one clutching their pearls be like, oh, you guys can't be teaching children about sex. It's like no one's teaching kids about sex. Like, like you know, obviously it's going to be age-appropriate education. And in many ways, I think I'm very, I recognize that in many ways I'm blessed. You know, first of all, we're born in South Africa, a country where even though like societal, like we, like we still have a long way to go. But, you know, there is a lot of progress, not only compared to the rest of Africa, but like even compared to the rest of the world, right? South Africa is quite progressive in certain aspects. But, like I mentioned, right, societal, it's still, you know, like the lived day-to-day experiences, it's still, you know, a challenge for many people. I think I'm also grateful that I was able to find people who are able, you know, amidst the mess, amidst the conflicting messages, I was able to find people who validated me and said that I'm okay. And in, you know, and not to get um, like too spiritual on you guys, but I do also think that, because I remember when I was in church, like the church where I grew up in, like the one where I talked about last week with the pastor, just, you know, if you listen to the previous episode, you know, I'm talking about the church I grew up in, but even when I, you know, came to university, you know, there were times where I would want to actually talk to the pastor because I did, I still did have it. Part of me I was like, but what if I'm wrong about this? What if I'm going to hell? But I think I was sort of guided by spirit to be like, don't talk to these people. Like if you have these questions, there are so many other resources you know, online, like queertheology.com, I think that was, which I discovered, like, last year, which I think was, like, a, a, an absolute blessing, right, absolute blessing in my life, and really did help me to unpack a lot of that religious trauma, because it does a number on you, like, you know, I mentioned that is, you know, the number one, I think it's not the number one, but I think it's, like, in South Africa, it's, like, the top way, like, I'm pretty sure almost every LGBTQ plus person, especially those who grew up Christian, because I can't really speak for other religions, because I don't really understand, I'm not, you know, too familiar with how things work there, but I know that this isn't unique to Christians, right? But no, within Christians, right, a lot of us, we've had those phases where we, we prayed God to take this, to take this away from us, right? I remember I've stood up at altar calls, right, when they were talking about sexual immorality, I remember standing up at altar calls and be like, oh Lord, please forgive me, wash me clean. I remember just thinking to myself, like, oh my God, because also I'm no longer a virgin, right? Like, it's like, I remember, it's just, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of trauma and unpacking and you know, my intention with speaking to you guys about this is just that I think a lot of us, we also aim, we don't really think about this on a daily because it's not something that is like in our faces, right? Or also it's not something that we've experienced firsthand. And so, like I mentioned, we need to be come aware of it because it is quite prevalent and extremely harmful. And like the final thought I want to leave with you guys is that as long as homophobia exists, then this issue of conversion therapy and ex-gay movements will continue because even... Like in the documentary Pray Away, right? They were primarily focused on the organization Exodus, right? And even though Exodus, like the um, leaders of it, they realized that they were wrong and they closed their doors. There are many other people who have continued the work of Exodus, right? And that's why also it's not just 
you know, the job or uh, like our work is not just to talking to individuals or, you know, work on an individual level. Like we need to, you know, integrate society and society as a society, we need to come together and realize how harmful this is, you know, and protect the people and even the people who, you know, have been through this practice because there are some, right? There are many who are, you know, they're able to make a recovery and they're able to get their lives back. But unfortunately, there are many who take their lives because, you know, they find that they can't change and just, I'm getting emotional, just, <sighs> like my heart just really breaks. It really breaks. When I think of like, you know, the three people who I mentioned, right? I hope they're doing okay, wherever they are. Um, and I hope you listening to this, I hope you are okay. Like if you've had an experience like this, I'm so sorry that you had to go through like that, had to go through something like that. But I really pray that, you know, you're able to pick yourself up, love yourself, you know, know that you're valid and you're loved like you're loved by me i love you and on that note thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode feel free to reach out to me at simply spisa let me know your thoughts and what came up for you and so until you hear from me in the next one i love you guys so much bye guys